Hi, and welcome to The Well Exchange, where we talk about how our spiritual reality impacts our business, our relationships, and more. Today, we're sharing a session from our course, Unlocked, called Entering Into Inheritance. For more information or to connect with us, find us at thewellexchange.com or on Instagram at thewellexchange. All right, everyone, welcome back to session three and our final session of Unlocked this weekend. Um, man, it's been so fun. Greg and I, we went on a walk on the little break and just chatted about how much joy we feel just sharing the things that are in our heart and in the VIP sessions, just hearing what's in people's hearts and processing with them. So it's been a lot of fun being on this with you guys. And if you're listening to the recording later down the road, it's a joy to walk alongside, to link arms, walk alongside, and just give space for people to actually process. So with that, I am super excited to do one of my favorite sessions. This is called Unlocking Inheritance. Uh, It's something I'm very passionate about. And our team of intercessors at the Well Exchange are also very passionate about that. We actually have one member on our staff who is incredibly good at unlocking generational inheritances. She has this just gift of being able to kind of sense and see what was in your, in the generations that came before you, what perhaps didn't um, get passed down or what was robbed or stolen or just kind of not pursued after and just has a unique way of unlocking those things. And um, Greg's out doing our chicken coops at the moment. So I'm going to share his story on his behalf, but we were actually doing intercession for ourselves I want to say eight or nine months ago now. And um, we have a place in the spirit in heaven that we usually go to. And if you want to know more about that, feel free to email us and we can chat more about that. But um, we were with this intercessor of ours and she was saying like, Greg, you know, I really sense that you have this like beautiful coat in the spirit that's been passed down from this woman named Lydia on your family side. And I really want to take some time and explore Lydia and what that means and who she is and all of that. And so we explored with her in the cloud of witnesses and, and what she carried and all this. And one of the things that she carried was this coat, like it was like an inventor's coat. Um, and it had just been kind of laying on this path and had been walked over a couple of times. So you wouldn't have really noticed that it was even on the ground. Cause it was this like dirt colored brown, right? So um, we were in the spirit doing um, just intercession and repenting on behalf of our families and, you know, generational forgiveness and heart forgiveness, all of those tools that we shared at the beginning. And, and at the end, Catherine, our wonderful intercessor, if you guys get to join the Well Exchange, she's absolutely incredible. She goes, Greg, I think you're supposed to put the coat on. Um, I guess this was over a year ago now because it was during COVID. And uh, and so in the spirit, he, you know, like picks up the coat and dusts it off and and wraps it around himself. And it goes from like this shaggy, dirty brown to this just illuminated coat in a matter of seconds. And we just felt that it was this inventor's coat. Well, fast forward a couple months and Greg is just sitting, just doodling and doing his thing. And God ends up giving him an invention for a piece of fitness equipment, his, his passion and his delight, um, his fitness. And so God had downloaded just kind of these blueprints of a fit, piece of fitness equipment. And so Greg sketched it out and we hired someone to weld it. So we actually had it fabricated so we could see what it looked like and felt like in real life. And 
lo and behold, it is in process of coming to market, which um, will be bring a giant inheritance financially to our family. Um, but the greater inheritance that we gained with the, was this inheritance of inventions and creativity again and renewed creativity. And so this whole session for me is something I just love talking about all the time. It is all about what it looks like to unlock inheritance. And if you listen to the previous sessions, Greg chatted a lot about moving from negative numbers to positive numbers. And so a lot of the time, just to recap, we think, you know, we get this moment of healing and we think that we're in positive numbers. And then we kind of have another moment of healing. We're like, oh no, like I'm back at this place. And um, really what we're doing is we start on the spectrum of negative 100 to 100. Negative 100 is fully not walking in any of our original design and our inheritance and all of that. And positive 100 is fully walking as sons and daughters, um, fully in our inheritance, ruling and reigning and all of that. And my own personal impression is that the person I've seen closest to walking to almost 100 is Bill Johnson. Um, other than that, I haven't really seen anyone walking that further along, but that he, it's only because he's public. Um, I'm sure there are people in private who also walk in that in that realm of positive numbers. But anyways, this session is all about unlocking the positive numbers. And what does it look like to actually come into inheritance and come into a place of owning and, and really seeing the fulfillment of the promises that God has on your life. And so I want to start off by saying the process from moving into promise and inheritance looks a little bit like this. We come to know the father, he's working stuff out in our identity, like we said in the last session, unlocking identity. And what happens in that process of unlocking our identity is we enter into this season of surrender. Um, so you come in, you know, Jesus is Lord. We make him Lord of our hearts. And he's really just starting to get deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts. And in that process, we start to surrender our dreams, our desires, the things in our heart and all of that. And as we do that, and as God, you know, his love comes in and fills our identity and we start to remove the fig leaves and we live more with intention and purpose, um, the things that we gave up in lordship are given back to us in our sonship, just with our heart more aligned into who we are. And so the giftings and the callings on your life, they don't go without repentance. I love that scripture, but the way that it is um, revealed on this side of heaven is a process of surrender in lordship and then given back to us in sonship. And so the key thing I want to share today is that inheritance, it's not an external journey, it's an internal journey. And inheritance means that you actually come into the fullness of a place of rest. And I'm, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Joshua. I think it's a very pivotal biblical example of moving from um, lordship into sonship and then taking promise and inheritance. And so Joshua 1.13, right when he starts, he says, the Lord, your God is providing you with a place of rest and will give you this land. And so I always, you know, would imagine this scripture and I'd be like, okay, God, like, what is this land that you're giving Joshua? And yes, it was a, it's a real tangible land that he was giving Joshua, but I'm always reminded of the scripture in song of songs. I think it's chapter four, where the bridegroom looks at the bride and this is Jesus speaking to us. And he says, behold, I have found the promised land within you. And that really started this pondering in my heart of, oh my gosh, 
if Jesus is actually living inside of us and we are one in him and he is one in us, then the promised land really is inside of our hearts. It's a journey in our hearts. It's a spiritual place in our hearts. And that really opens up the realms of heaven to begin to explore these places of inheritance and land and all of that um, in the heavenly places. But it's an internal heart journey that manifests itself or reveals itself externally as our heart comes into alignment with that. And so as we move into inheritance, I, it's like we're turning home. It's like we, we return to this place that we've always known in the spirit. Our spirit, again, is outside of time. We were with the father in heaven before we were here on earth. And then we go back to the father. So we're with him always. Our spirit is always connected. And as we begin to remove the fig leaves and come into inheritance, it feels like you're returning home. Or I I always say returning to the future, returning to the things that your spirit knows outside of time. So your spirit's always working you into the place outside of time. And we always try to resist it with our own time, but that's another story for another day. Um, but as you return, and this is in Joshua 1.15, then you shall return to the land of your possession and possess it. And so there's this whole ownership journey inside of our hearts that as the love comes in, our identities become secure, we get to return to the promised land and begin to possess it. And as we possess the promised land within our hearts, then we begin to see it manifest or reveal itself externally in our lives. And like I mentioned in the story earlier with Greg, we we watched it manifest through invention, an invention that will bring financial provision to our family, which is absolutely amazing. But it was an internal journey for Greg um, that has expressed itself now externally. And so I want to relieve the pressure that I hear a lot of times in Christian circles or even just in non-Christian circles with this whole destiny thing um, and trying to get to your final destination Um, our final destination is outside of time. Heaven is our final destination, but we also came from that destination. So what we get to experience and journey here on earth is the, the revealing of heaven within our hearts through the hard wiring that God has already given us. So our destiny is already hardwired into us because our spirits know heaven. We know it, we came from it. We're going back to it. Um, so our inheritance is linked with the return with the return to our most authentic selves or our original design. So the more that we come into our original design, the more we're going to experience inheritance and promise and life and life abundantly and all of that. But here's a key lie that we get a lot of the times is religion will train us or and I I also I use religion and performance kind of interchangeably because if you're not religious then you're just in the secular world performing all the time or self-righteously trying to make yourself better or all of that kind of stuff um but religion lies to us and it tries to train us that becoming more like Jesus means that we depart from who we really are have you heard that i feel like that's something that i hear often is like oh i like the struggle that I feel is that if if I give up this desire of my heart, if I give up this thing that's in me to become more like Jesus, like it's never going to come back around. And it feels like this, like unattainable perfection of, I have to become more like Jesus. So I have to keep dying to myself. And it breaks my heart when we don't fully understand what that actually looks like. Um, What Jesus is actually asking us to die to is our false identities. 
feel free to go back to listen to um, Unlocked Part Two with all of our identities and all of that. But he's looking for us to get rid of our false identities, to die to our false identities. And it could even be the motives attached to the things in our identities. Could be like our identity attached to a certain dream or a certain gifting or a promise or something like that. Again, um, what you surrender in lordship, you get back in sonship, right? So uh, as we die to our false identities in that season of lordship and coming into sonship, we return to our original design. And as we return to our original design, the things that are in our heart are redeemed. They're revealed. We get reconciliation with them. And you just begin to see this momentum of peace and enjoyment and right alignment. And I'm going to share in the session kind of what that process looks like and how you can engage that process um, throughout your taking your inheritance journey. Uh, so an inheritance is an internal journey first. And I said this at the beginning, but it's an internal journey first that then express, expresses itself externally with time. And what I want to share, and this might I, I'm saying this with the most compassionate heart possible. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. But what I find great tension and it even like feels like scratchy to my spirit um, is when we think or we have this belief that servanthood and being a really good servant brings inheritance. Um, and I want to I want to like call out that lie. And I, I want to say there is absolutely no inheritance in servanthood. And it's probably why you're feeling burned out. It's probably why you're feeling a lot of condemnation, shame, hurt, rejection, all of those things is you're trying to inherit, 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 inherit the kingdom of God through service. And unfortunately, that's the wrong tree. The way that we inherit the kingdom is through sonship. Can't inherit it through our good works. We don't inherit it through anything other than love pouring into our hearts. The father gives us the things and then our inheritance is revealing those things back to him as a gift, as an offering, as a way of loving him. And so I'm going to share the difference because um, I, I love and I hear this all the time in the church, you know, but we're like the Moses generation and all of that and Moses, 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 and it's all about one leader and he led us into the promised land and Moses didn't actually lead anyone into the promised land. He wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land. So I don't know where that stinking thinking came from, but um, it was actually Joshua that led us into the promised land. And as I said, I'm going to share a lot about Joshua's story here um, as we discover inheritance. But the difference between Moses and Joshua is Moses was the guy. He was the leader. He listened to God on behalf of everyone. And he was kind of the man that went in front. And so often, when we're thinking about our inheritance and we're thinking about promise and stepping into the promises of God, we're trying to find it through someone else. We're trying to find it through a Moses, or if I align myself with this ministry or this leader or that and that, like promise and inheritance are going to be released and all of the things. And then you have Joshua who comes alongside and he just links arms with people in their process and they begin to take the prom, they begin to take the promised land. And so the thing about it, is I love Joshua. He's probably, besides Isaiah, he's probably one of my favorite characters, people that I want to meet in heaven one day. But he, he starts out by saying, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I had promised Moses. I love Moses, but we're talking about Joshua. 
And it got me pondering about the promised land again. And so again, Song of Songs says, behold, I have found the promised land within you. And so the promised land is in our hearts. Inheritance is an internal journey that reflects itself externally as time goes on. And so it really got me thinking, okay, where exactly is my soul step, my the soul of my foot stepping and am I treading upon and God's asking me to take ground in. And again, this is all an internal journey. So it could be taking off, like I'm taking a step into the promised land by removing my fear of man. And we address that giant and then we move to the next one. So promise and inheritance is by the sole of your foot. And it's one step at a time. And I don't know how big your foot is, but my foot is a size nine. And that's not a lot of land. (laughs) That is like teeny tiny in the scope. We live on 140 acres and the sole of my foot is literally like minuscule in this, in the scope of that. But as I continue to walk the land, I get ownership of the land, but it really is step-by-step. And I have found a lot of peace in this and Greg can get, let you know where this is um, in the Bible. Cause I can't remember the address. I just remember the scriptures as they speak to my heart, but not where they're located. Cause it's a person, not a, not a number, but anyways, um, I love the scripture that says, Many are the plans of a man, but the Lord orders his steps. And as I mesh that together with every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, it really has given me a lot of freedom to just be present in my process, knowing that God's with me in the process. He's ordering the process. He's in the midst of my process and that I'm actually going to tread upon and conquer. And there is a promise and inheritance in every step of this journey. And so instead of looking to the end result, like, oh my gosh, we're going to be, you know, multimillionaires or whatever. I'm just embracing what God is doing right now in the moment. And it's given me so much freedom to unlock enjoyment and unlock provision and unlock um, a depth of relationship and community and greater identity and all that. And the thing about actually (laughs) inheriting your inheritance in the kingdom is it looks so ordinary. It's literally like you're full for me folding laundry. And then all of a sudden God's speaking to you about something and he's getting to the heart of my fear of rejection, or he's getting to the heart of why I reject my own process or something like that. And it's not this big ministry moment that I have found on Sundays or anything like that. It's in the ordinary. It's like just taking a walk outside um, and just enjoying the sunshine, sun, the sun, sunshine, uh, the sunrise and the sunset. And I have found that even as I, and I get this from my second, she, um, has such a gift of wonder and such a gift of just being present in the moment. It's like, as I step into being present in the moment and not rushing past it, I can feel his enjoyment. I can feel all of heaven with me. Something is imparted into my heart. I don't know what, and and I've given up trying to figure it out and try to like have all the right words or anything like that. And I just embrace it and be, and then I find out six months later, something has changed in my heart. And it's likely because I leaned into enjoyment, watching the sunset, couldn't perform it, couldn't make it happen. Couldn't self-assess what happened, just entered into enjoyment. And I, it was like, taking another step in the soul of the promise with the soul of my feet in the promised land of my heart. And it looks really, really ordinary. And so you can watch a move of God happening around you or in your life or something like that. But a lot of the times we miss our inheritance or what God's trying to put inside of us to, to allow inheritance to be expressed because we're not willing to place the sole of our foot 
on the next unclaimed piece of spiritual ground. And again, it's not like a giant jump into a river. It's literally like you're going on a walk and it's just the next step. Um, And so a lot of the times we're looking like when we're in the process of inheritance, sorry, I'm trying to get my words. When we're stepping into inheritance, we think it looks a lot like the way that they stepped out and got exiled out. You know, Moses led them out. They stepped in. They had all these great big miracles. You know, he parted the Red Sea, the manna, like they're going around. Their shoes never dry out. We're looking for those things a lot of the times to be the expression of inheritance and promise in the promised land. Um, However, entry into the promised land looks very different than the process coming out of Exodus, the Exodus process. And that's, that's hard for a lot of us because they were likely, if, if I were, you know, with Joshua in the scenario and I approached the Jordan, I probably would have been like, he parted the sea once. Can he not just part this river? And we walk through it again. Cause I'm expecting God to lead me into the promised land the same way I was led out of something. And that's just not how it goes. My friends, I am sorry, but also so delighted and happy for you that it does not look the same because we're taking ownership and our identity is getting strengthened because love is being poured in. And so um, I want to just share a whole bunch of keys that you will notice as you're starting to step into and unlocking your inheritance. And you can walk through these keys and go through these keys and ask the father tons of questions about these keys. I just want to give you the tools that we use to identify in our coaching calls, where people are at and how they unlock. And then from there, um, you guys can ask questions or if you have a question in the midst, no problem. But I just want to share kind of what they look like, scriptural reference for them and see how it goes. Uh, The first thing I want to share is when God says to Joshua, you know, be strong and courageous. And he says it like, I don't know how many times he says it a lot. And Greg can let you know, he can type it in the chat or something. Um, and I always wrestled with that because I was like, in my head, I thought like be strong and courageous means, and this is me coming from my like performance, perfection, self-righteous background, but I'd be like, be strong and courageous, like be of strength and good courage and don't admit really where your heart's at and be full of faith and all these things. Um, and I remember the Holy spirit said to me, you know, actually be strong and courageous. You can't, you cannot be strong and courageous until perfect love casts out the fear. So as love comes in, like we spoke in the identity session, as love comes in and fills your heart, then you're filled with strength and courage to take the next, the next piece of land, the next step of land. And so here are some of the keys of what it looks like to step into inheritance. Uh, The first thing, the first key is I want you to give yourself permission to be subversive. And now I don't want you to think subversive as in like lying or hiding or any of those things. Um, It's not covering things up. It's um, Matthew, Matthew 10, 16, you know, when Jesus says to the disciples, I'm not going up to the mountain and that kind of thing. And then he secretly goes up to the mountain anyway. He just doesn't reveal the fullness of his plan. And so the picture that I had, because, you know, I'm a mom and I've had three pregnancies is when you get pregnant, when God's doing something. And, you know, I'm four weeks, five weeks pregnant. I'm not going around telling everyone that I'm pregnant. I'm not going around saying, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant with this thing. And here's what it is. And there, like, there is an intentional season to just still yourself and be subversive and hold it within your heart and allow it to just 
be and begin to express itself. And what I mean by that is if you've seen pregnant women, they're not expressing themselves week five, they're expressing themselves like we month five, six, seven, eight into, into labor and delivery. And so there is permission. Um, and there is a time where you actually need to spy out the lamb. So God gives you something and you just hold it in your heart and that's totally okay. And then the next key is to go and view the land. Joshua 2, one, they sent out the spies um, and they went to go see the land and they went to go search it out. And now I want to share something that's probably um, <clears throat> going to kick the religious, you know, business or whatever. But if you know me, I don't care about kicking the business. So here we go. In my days of perfection, I was really, really terrified of making a mistake. And in my fear of making a mistake, because I felt like I would fall out of the will of God, or I would have to repent or come back or anything like that. Um, I was so hyper-focused on discovering what the perfect will of God was. Um, and what kept me from actually inheriting promised land in my own identity is I was so, so focused on the perfect will of God that I didn't understand. I wasn't willing to actually go view the promised land for myself. Um, the perfect will of God is not perfection. Perfection is such a liar and it's so discreet and it comes out um, in so many different ways. And it drives me absolutely crazy because I still am in a journey of this, but the perfect will of God is grace, grace to make mistakes. It's messy. It's um, being comfortable in the imperfection is, is spying out the land. So being comfortable with the, and we shared about this in the last session, being comfortable with the messy parts as love pours into your identity, the messy parts that are coming out so that you can receive love. And as you receive love, that is spying out the land. It's reviewing what's in, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is in your heart so you can reveal it back to him. And so spying out the land, and I put this in quotes because I'm now talking about the promised land within your heart, looks like asking the father, father, or Holy Spirit, or Jesus, whomever you are comfortable with, or whomever you're interacting with in this season, would you reveal my heart to me so I can reveal it back to you? That's like key one. And then you can ask, Father, will you examine my motives? You know, search my heart and know me, oh Lord. Examine the motives of my heart. Would you reveal the, mo the motives of my heart to me so I can reveal them back to you? Because I know for me, I wanted a task list. Like, here's how you inherit. Here's how you inherit the promises and the inheritance of God. You pray this much during the week. You pray these scriptures. You pray these promises. And this for sure means that your kids will be blessed and you will have financial provision and you will have all of these things. I wanted, I so desperately wanted a task list. Um, but that's, that's slavery in Egypt, a taskmaster that gives you these things. And God is literally taking the journey of our heart out of that and into inheritance, which is rooted in identity of ruling and reigning. And so he's not just going to give us ruling and reigning. It's a process of the heart. It's condemnation free. It's free of perfection. Um, it's, it's coming out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and into the tree of life and understanding that this process is incredibly messy 
And yet love and grace covers it all. And it's like, I can't control that. I can't control love and grace. I can control doing the checklist of things. And it's easier for me to do the checklist of things because I don't have to have a relationship with the father if I have a checklist of things. But you can't rule and reign in a kingdom that is solely based on relationship because father, son, and spirit are relationship. It's called perichoresis. They are literally the expression of relationship. So if I'm trying to inherit something void of relationship, I'm doing it out of self-righteousness. I'm producing an Ishmael. I, I, I'm actually not inheriting the kingdom. I'm inheriting the fruit of my own labor, which is toil, which is literally the curse of Adam. I'm going to take a sip. That was a lot right there. And so what happens, and I want to empower you, one of the, the key tools that we use with our clients as we're stepping into inheritance is asking the Holy Spirit to assess the risks and to give us the freedom to just explore, knowing that Jesus actually is residing within you. He really is putting your, put it, your, um, ordering your steps, the Lord, like um, many other plans of a man, but the Lord orders his steps. He really is living inside of you, ordering your steps. He's caring for you and entering into the freedom of that. So what's really cool when you actually begin to truly get the identity of sonship, go listen to the last session into your heart and into your, into your core spirit and living from that place is you begin to take bigger risks. And I would say that faith, I, I couldn't actually, if someone asked me how to just, how to explain faith before I, I thought it was just like this intellectual thing, like have faith, like have good belief that God's going to do this or pray from a place of confidence and all that. I had no idea what it meant. Those were all the things that I was taught for me. Faith now looks like confidence in taking a risk without worrying about the results, knowing that at the core of who I am, my father is taking care of me. He's providing for me. He's with me in this process that I can't fail because he's for me and not against me. And I can move forward in that confidence as a daughter to begin to take land and take inheritance and move forward in things because he loves me because he's for me. Um, and he's caring for me and he's tending to me. So I actually don't have to be hyper responsible for assessing all of the risks and rewards for every single decision. I can just rest and follow peace and enjoyment and right alignment in relationships, metrics of the kingdom. And I can kind of let go. And this, for someone who's so hyper responsible, like I was, this feels so like, ah, how do I let go? How do I control? Because, because being in control was my way of feeling safe until love came in and allowed me to feel safe internally because he is a safe place. He is my refuge. He is caring for me. And then I can begin to take more steps and more risks and take another step and allow the sole of my foot to enter into another place of promise and inheritance. So that's um, spying out the land of your heart. The next one, if you read through Joshua, is they actually, Rahab comes into the story, who is a prostitute, which let's just say like, 
if you were in church now and a prostitute walked in and she, and you and she's like, hey, I'm going to help you achieve your destiny and your inheritance. Most believers, believers would be like, yeah, right. No, thanks. I'm looking for a spirit filled, faith filled believer, blah, 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 blah. And we really dismiss people and what God could do because of the darkness we perceive in their hearts. And I say perceive because you're judging you have, unless you're like literally sitting with the father asking what he's doing in that moment in their heart and judging the prostitution and all of that fine. Um, but most times we're not, most times we have this immediate thing in our heart that goes to the knowledge of good and evil and says, they're not a believer. I'm not going to work with them. There's no way God can bring me to my destiny and my inheritance. And we dismiss them. And Greg says this all the time. I'm stealing your line, honey. I love you so much. Uh, provision is actually in relationship. Because again, God is relationships. So when you look at the story of Joshua, they're spying out the land. Provision was made in Rahab, the prostitute. That was the relationship that God brought them to. And so a lot of the times, and I'm using the, you know, Rahab as an example, how this looks in the journey of our hearts is if you have, um, haven't moved forward in inheriting identity or um, you feel like you've been halted in your journey of uh, coming into identity, it's probably because you've looked at something and judged it as foolish or unusable by the Lord, and uh, you've probably dismissed it. It could be a person, it could be an opportunity, it could be, I don't even know, there are so many different things. But my impression is sometimes when we're trying, when we're looking to inherit promise and inheritance, God is going to bring people alongside of us. And if we have trust issues or we don't trust people, or it doesn't look like the type of person that we would want to work with, um, we dismiss an ally that God has brought alongside of us to release us into the next step of our inheritance internally in our hearts. Um, and so I call it an unsavory thing because prostitution is not very savory. It's kind of like dismissive. So Whatever it is in your heart that you could deem unsavory or un, it's it's almost like sometimes I chat with people and they're looking to leave an opportunity because they think that God's calling them into ministry, but they have a ton of favor. They have a ton of relationships. There's a lot of enjoyment in the place that they're at, but they feel this like calling towards, you know, ministry and all of that. And it's like, sometimes the way that this um, unsavory thing presents itself, and I'm putting this in quotation marks, presents itself, is uh, through a secular thing. And if you're stuck in that religious performance and self-evaluation and self-righteousness and all of that, like we dismiss secular things, um, thinking that the more God-ordained inheritance thing is to move somewhere in the ministry realm. Um, and I would propose to you, what if God wants to actually use you and anoint you and take land and take ground in the very thing that you've judged as secular? Because in the spirit realm, in heaven's perspective, there is no difference between sacred and secular. You can't box them out like that. Um, it just doesn't work like that. And I don't know where that teaching came in. And I'm sorry if you believe that teaching because I believed it too but we were so quick to judge or get offended if God brings a prostitute into our lives and wants to allow that person to be a person of provision in our life. So my prayer for you 
And a key that you can ask the father is, can you give me eyes to see the relationships of provision that you're bringing into my life to continue and further me along on this process of inheritance? And that's a painful prayer because you're going to have to go back to session one and likely work through judgments and offense and heart forgiveness and prejudice and realize that you've been trying to split something into sacred and secular and God's not trying to do it. And if you need a resource for that or a tool for that, go listen to session one on intercession. There are a variety of different keys that we dropped in that session that you can listen to that will help you bring into bring you into right alignment in relationships to help you further along into inheritance in the internal journey of your heart. Hey, everyone. We're having a conference coming up called Heart Healthy Leadership, and we wanted to invite you. Have you ever wondered where you're at in the journey of your heart or even what the heart is? That's what this conference is all about. It's about orientating yourself and understanding what the heart is biblically, how we can connect with God from our hearts, and then from that place, how we can lead others from a healthy heart. And we're excited to facilitate those conversations and create points of connection with amazing leaders who truly understand how to teach this stuff because they've actually lived it. The conference is October 13th and 14th in Edmonton, Alberta. And this is a free event with an offering and we're doing our best to live stream it for our international crowd. So please register at thewellexchange.com slash hearthealthyleadership. And we'll keep put those links in the bio underneath here. And uh, we'll, we'll send you some more information. The next thing that happens in the story of Joshua, and this is chapter two now, is they spy out the land with Rahab and I, I watch, they have to hide and wait for a couple days. Um, you know, they're, they're looking to take new land and the current occupier of the land found out that they were on the land and they were trying to find them and take them out. And they didn't just run back and they didn't do a whole bunch of decrees and they didn't do anything other than in, in my perspective, what this looks like in a heart journey is you just go and you receive comfort and you hide under the bosom or in the bosom of the father, you hide under his wing, Psalm 91, but you do that in a heart place. And so it is okay. And I'm not, if it's like a spiritual hiddenness and you're intentionally diminishing yourself or something like that, don't do that. But what I do want to say is you are allowed to hide in the Lord for a season, um, as you're stepping into and taking more ground because this is a journey of your heart. And so, and, and, um, I think it's Paul that writes Galatians, but I don't remember who writes Galatians. Greg knows that, (laughs) um, but Galatians two, four, they're still talking about people who come in and try to subvert what you're doing. So it is okay to escape the pursuers and the people trying to rob you of occupying the land. And he says in Galatians 2, 4, yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom in Christ so that they may bring us into slavery. And so they're even talking about it in Galatians, be be on guard for the things that are happening and the people that are coming into your life and that it's okay to hide, to go back into a season of hiddenness or go back into hiding in the father. Um, as you're being pursued or harassed or anything like that, because what happens when you hide in the father is that he will keep you safe and he will guard you until the time comes for your sonship to actually move forward and be seen and revealed. And I want to pause here 
Um, cause I, I watch people go through this all the time and it really breaks my heart because I watch a lot of people get a promise. Um, they're stepping forward in their sonship and, you know, they pop their head up or they, they begin to reveal themselves. And then it's like whack-a-mole, like they get hit left, right, center, backwards, forwards. Um, and it feels like they're in the season of everything that they're doing They're It's like playing whack-a-mole. They just keep getting whacked and hit. And I would, I would propose that it might be a season of escaping the pursuers and allowing the fullness of sonship to come into your heart where you then can go and reveal. Um, but it's okay to rest and to hide and allow the authentic expression of God to be so welled up in you that even when you pop your head up, the, the whack-a-mole, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you anymore. It doesn't feel like you're getting whacked all the time. It just feels like you're so full of love. And some of the things that happen as you, as you lift your head up too early, and I'm not, I don't want to sound like critical of a process or anything like that, or like there is an exact timeline to this. There isn't, it's just more, I want to give you a tool of discernment to tell, are you in a season of fullness where you're being revealed or are you in a season of hiddenness and both seasons are okay. And we ebb and flow back and forth as we continue to take steps into the promised land. Um, but generally what happens is if we're in a season of hiddenness is we'll reveal ourselves and then you'll come up against, you know, legalism or a program or a formula or a system, or I like to call it soulish counsel, like people giving you really good advice, but you can just tell that it's not spirit led, um, religion. Uh, and I just want to like really bless you in this season to to first of all, bless you and release you into the intuitive nature of your heart, knowing that your intuition is actually a gift from the Lord and you can trust it all, most of the time. I don't want to say all the time if you're in suspicion, but most of the time you can trust your intuition and that there is a genuine warfare that comes at you when you begin to live a more intuitive, heart-based tree of life journey. Um, because it really does ruffle the feathers. It kicks the hornet's nest in a sense of the religious cultures and the legalistic paradigms and, and all of that. And so I, I really want to stress that part of taking the promised land is a season of hiddenness and waiting. And that's okay because then you will emerge, you will take another step and then you will go, I, I'm not saying you always go back into a season of hiddenness, but please don't condemn yourself or get resentful in your process. If you go back into a season of hiddenness and know that it is actually the grace and covering of a father who genuinely is fully 100% invested in your eternal journey. And he loves you so much that he wants you to be safe and just be filled with his love to a point of knowing that you can step out and be okay. And if you ask me what the scripture reference is for this, um, again, Joshua 2, 2, you know, Rahab helps them escape and all of that. But I look at the journey of Jesus and his journey of sonship and like he hid in the, he didn't hide in the carpenter shop, but he was in a season of hiddenness where who he was, was not fully revealed as he was in his father's shop in the carpenter shop. But then came a season when he was fully revealed and he was launched into what he was doing and his heart was be able to be seen and all of that. And, um, and it was because it was the, it was the ordained time. And, 
you know, if you listened to our teachings on time and rich time and all that, you know, that's my least favorite revelation, the revelation of time, because it's only something we wrestle with here on earth because there's no time in heaven. And it's such a journey of surrender um, and control for me if I'm feeling out of control. Uh, but I just want to release you to just be in process and then it's okay to be in process, process, process. All right. The next thing that happens, the next key that we use with our clients is when is it time to cross over and cross the Jordan? And this is going into Joshua 3, 1. Um, and crossing over uh, is an, in, and I'm, I'm going to share from the internal perspective of what this looks like in your heart journey is it's literally dying to yourself. And if, and we chatted about dying to yourself in the last session where it's dying to our false identities and all of the things that God has done before and all of that. Um, and it's like dying to what, you know, dying to who you think you are dying to all of these things and crossing the Jordan looks like stepping into the unknown, letting go of everything that's familiar. Um, coming into who we are and who we're called to be without knowing all of the answers. And it's scary. It's terrifying. You likely in this stage will not have a lot of words or you won't actually know what's happening other than what used to work isn't working anymore. Um, but you haven't figured out what's working now. That is a key indicator that you are crossing from the wilderness into taking land and into the inheritance. And the cool thing about this is that you can't do it yourself. It has to be spirit led. It has to be done in the spirit, by the spirit, through the spirit, all of the things, and you cannot control this process. So the best thing that you can do is don't waste a good death because out of death, new life comes. And when something dies, I, I always think about this, like Jesus had to die on the cross for resurrection life to come. And, and he's the most obvious example of dying to yourself to allow resurrection life to flow. Because if there hasn't been a death in things yet, the only life that's there is not eternal resurrection life. It's your self efforts. And your own life trying to produce these things. Again, it's going back into the curse of Adam, which is the toil and trying to make stuff happen. So lean into the death process. Try not to um, waste a really good death. And that's my key on that one. And the next thing that happens in your heart as you're entering into inheritance is this revelation that you are actually the ark of the Lord, you are a priest. So when you look at the example in Joshua in three, six, you know, the priests took up the ark and they walked it across the Jordan and all of that. But now in the new covenant, because the promised land is within us, uh, we are the ark of the covenant. And so what starts to happen is you really begin to start realizing and living from this place of oneness with Jesus, where he is in me and I am in him. And there is this great confidence that you are Christ in you. And he's literally in you all the time. He doesn't go anywhere is the hope of glory. Colossians 1 27, like his presence lives and resides and is consistently within you. And the more that you can become aware of it 
and understand it, the more um, you get to live from that place and that security and that identity, go back to the last session for identity and just really, really begin to live from that place of Christ in you. And as you live from Christ in you, who you are and your original design is revealed more and more, and you begin to step into the things of inheritance and the things of delight and right alignment and joy and all of those things. And that leads you to the finding what your stones are. This is the next key, key seven. Um, Joshua 4.3, you know, they went and they got the 12 stones and they laid them in the water. And this is such a beautiful expression of death because at that point they had kind of cleared away the water. They, the Lord had cleared away the water and they put down these remembrance stones and they walked across them. And then of course, after that, the river comes and it floods it and the stones aren't there. You can't see them anymore. But what happened when they were laying down the stones is it was a death and then an emergence of an identity. They were dying and it's a it's a literal walking across and choosing to transition from who they were in the wilderness with all of the manna and all of those things. And they were being birthed and coming into this established identity that is eternal. Like as, as we truly begin to understand at a heart level that Christ is within us, that we are one in him and he is one in us, we begin to live from our eternal identity, our original design. And as we continue to live from our original design, all of our false identities begin to just wither away and fall to the ground. We become more free. We become more safe. We, we really begin to understand what God is doing. And we have this great inner confidence to take more risks and take another step of faith. And what happens as we do that is, oh my gosh, another fig leaf comes up. And so I, I want to encourage you that as you're embracing this journey of process and inheritance and all of that, um, to not judge your process or condemn yourself if God brings another thing up. Um, I find that we condemn ourselves in our process when we expect our process to be perfect. And I it makes me very disheartened when um, we have this belief that uh, we have to be perfect like Jesus. Oh, well, God's, you know, working us into the perfection of Jesus and we need to become perfect. And um, our idea of perfection and God's presence are, are two very different things. Um, and so being molded into the image of Christ is not one of perfection. It's one of interdependence and boasting in your weakness and revealing the very nature of heaven in the midst of being an incredibly broken vessel. That is the process of becoming more Christ-like. It is not this perfect attainable, I have no problems, my heart is forever secure in the Lord and all of those things. No, no, no. It's this beautiful place of owning what's in your heart, receiving love, revealing love in the midst of being an incredibly broken vessel, and just embracing the journey back to Eden in your own heart and where it's at. And I find, and I said this in the last session, but I find the more I actually boast in my weakness and and by I mean boast in my weakness, it just means my my interdependence on the Lord and realizing that I can't do it in my own strength. And there is this really challenging belief that I come up a lot of the times where I feel like I have to be independent, like, oh, I should be more mature by now. And I think that independence is maturity. Um, and I've had to come out of that belief system because that could not be further from the truth. Independence is my self-righteousness. Interdependence 
is maturity. And as I continue to get older and more experienced in my relationship with the Lord, I find myself even more interdependent on him than I did in the beginning in my zealous, my zealous days, because there is a depth of interdependence that he is in me and I am in him. And that is just expressed as you continue to take the inheritance. So no longer is it you know, taking the land of the fear of man, but it would move into taking the land of the fear of rejection and taking the land of, you know, abandonment or all of these other things. And love continues to fill my heart. And as love continues to fill my heart um, and I continue to take those steps, you know, creativity is unlocked and inventions for Greg are unlocked and all of these things. And so again, it's by the sole of your foot. It is one step at a time, one ordinary decision at a time. Um, these, un I don't want to call them unholy moments, but these like normal everyday ordinary moments is where the presence and the inheritance of who you are is really truly formed. And so the last thing with your, um, with the stones before I move to move to the next point is I have found most of the times, if God's bringing up some type of memory in my heart, it means that I'm coming into a season, a season of something new. It's, it's him drawing me to the Jordan river in the spirit in my own heart, and then making a place for my heart to cross over into something new. Um, and I have learned and I, and I coach our clients in this to actually just lean into the memories that God is bringing up in this season, because he's looking to um, bring you out of wilderness in that place in your heart into promise and inheritance. Um, and I find memory as kind of like a dividing line for me, because I just see the river as like a dividing line, you know, and I feel like it's this dividing line between old and new and my heart prayer and my heart's prayer for our clients is um, that they would be able to behold that God is doing a new thing and that they would have the wisdom and the understanding to perceive it. And so one of the ways that you can perceive God doing a new thing is you're having memories come up and he's looking to transition you from one from olds to something incredibly new. I hope that helps with, I'm trying to like impart uh, discernment and, and how we do this at the same time. Uh, the next key, when you can tell you're moving into inheritance, oh, this is like one of my least favorite ones. Well, the next one is my least favorite one, but this one is, is great. Um, and also terrible is there's no more manna. The manna dries up when you're entering into promise and inheritance. And I always have to sit, and this is in Joshua 5, 5.11, you know, there was no more cloud, there was no more fire, their shoes started to wear out, the clothes started to wear out. All of this supernatural provision stops when you enter into inheritance. And it's because you're coming out of survival and into a maturing of your relationship where God's asking you to take ownership of things. And so it's gone from supernatural provision to relational provision where you are walking in relationship with him and he is revealing what to do, how to make shoes, how to make food, which plants to eat, which land to take, what animals to kill and eat and harvest. That is all done internally in relationship with him. And so a lot of the times we see our clients, you know, in this place where, you know, God's he's been speaking to me here, but then all of a sudden he stopped. And I love how Greg says it. He's like, oh yes, I'm so happy for you because that means God's transitioning you out of survival, out of wilderness, out of just, 
giving you what you need for the day and into a place of inheritance. And so wilderness, it's, it's like man has provided your shoes don't wear out, you know, you're, and, and then you enter and, and the way that this looks like in the spirit is the appetite that you had for things previously just kind of shifts and that what used to be feeding you just isn't, isn't working anymore. Or you don't have the same taste or anything like that. Um, and a lot of the times I listen to people and they enter into, you know, self-condemnation and rejection and all this of, you know, like God's not speaking to me more. What have I done wrong? Or I must be in sin or all of these things. And, and I just kind of smile. And most of the time it's because the pillar of fire and the cloud have gone away and the man has dried up. And if you're in a process of self-assessment, you're shaming yourself thinking that you missed it and you're not in it anymore. And how do I get back into it? And I would propose most times we think it's some type of demonic attack when really it's God leading us into his heart and into a deeper level of inheritance and into the garden of Eden within our hearts, the promised land within our hearts. And so I would propose that if you're in this season, ask the father, where is provision in this season? How are you looking to reveal yourself to me in this season? Um, the man is dried up. So it's like, imagine that you have crossed, like, I always try to put myself into Bible stories. And so, you know, they cross over the land, there's no more manna and they're looking around all these trees and there just has to be this heart of inquisitiveness and wonder, you know, what is this tree for? How do we use it? What is this for? How do we use it? And so to just enter into this state of wonder and relationship with the Lord, um, coming into how he wants to release provision to you and provision could be anything. It could be relationships. It could be accolade. It could be actual food and money and could be a job. It could be kids. It could be so many different things. Provision is just another word for inheriting the kingdom of the Lord through relationships. And so take some time and ask him, you know, like where and what and how, and I want to applaud you and say, congratulations on your promotion out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Um, and here's what I see happen. Most times with people, this is our last, last key of, you can tell you're entering into inheritance is I watch people, they cross over, <laughs> they cross over. And in Joshua, in chapter five, you know, they cross over and then they make all of the men be circumcised. Sorry, Greg. Um, <laughs> and this is what I watch happen is when people step into promised land, if they're not in the spirit, they try to, you know, die to their flesh or cut off their flesh, or they think that they've sinned or that kind of thing. And, and I, I would propose that no guy in their right mind would actually want to circumcise themselves. Like it is not something willingly that they want to sit there and do and participate in. Um, so why do we do it to our hearts all the time? Why do we try to circumcise our own hearts in our journey? It's so painful. And like, I watch people do it all the time and how painful it is to their hearts when they're you know, self-righteously trying to, you know, discipline their flesh or cut off their flesh or anything like that. And like, I, my belief is like religion, the spirit of religion and religious performance and self-righteousness, that is your flesh. And so it just gets more and more painful because when you look at John six, he says, you know, the spirit gives us life and the flesh profits nothing. 
So your self-righteousness profits you absolutely nothing. So here's the thing is when you step into the promised land and you can tell that you're stepping into that place because you can feel that you're free of condemnation. Therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And remember, we are in him. So there is no condemnation. And we're entering into, like, I I watch believers who, um, you know, they're free of condemnation, but they don't enter into promise. And most of the time, what keeps them from entering into promise is they're not willing to remove the power of self-righteousness to embrace circumcision by the spirit. They would much rather circumcise their own hearts and do their, their, their good works and all of that instead of just receive a spiritual like life in the spirit and the spiritual journey. Um, because we can take credit when we do it ourselves, but we, we can't take any credit when it's done in the spirit by the spirit through Jesus. Like we can't, um, yeah, we can't take credit for that. And so I I got this while I was preparing for my session, but when I hear people say all the time, you know, be strong and courageous. And I mentioned this at the beginning, how you can't actually be strong and courageous unless perfect love is cast out all the fears. I watch people consider strength as a power, like when they talk about strength, it's a power of their soul. Um, Strength in the spirit is weak, like weakness is strength in the spirit. Whereas strength in the natural is the power of our soul. Um, So I want to encourage you to actually embrace the process that you're in, embrace the weakness of your own heart. And what I love about the journey of Joshua is that as they continue to take the promised land, it was a different strategy every single time. They didn't do Jericho eight times over. They didn't do inner healing eight times over. Each time it was, Joshua was consistently asking the Lord, okay, what's the strategy for this one? And it usually didn't make sense. And I love the story of Jericho because it's literally nothing that they could do. They didn't, you know, throw fire bombs at, at the wall. They didn't do anything other than just walk around, take the land one step at a time. They didn't, they didn't say anything. They were quiet for six days. They just were, they just they just bead in the process. They just were in the process. And then on the seventh day, the Lord gave them something to declare and it, and it all came tumbling down. They didn't have any tools. They didn't have anything else, but the Lord did it on their behalf because they rested and trusted in the process. But then when you move further in the story, there was no other story of Jericho. It was a whole new battle plan. It was a whole new way of taking the land in their hearts. And so I want to release you from this belief that taking the promised land in your heart looks the same with every single step. It doesn't, and it likely won't. And to just release the expectation that it's going to look the same every single time you take a step into your promised land. And so it re- I really want to bless you with the sensitivity to really perceive new things and perceive them and understand what God is doing and really be able to release those in the season. Um, and so we're going to move into a time of listening. I have a couple questions so you can kind of ask God where you're at in this process. Uh, so I'm going to put on some music. If you have your journal, feel free to grab that and just write the question down and then write your response. Um, but I really want to bless you as we go into this time that the inheritance that you're looking to unlock is who you actually become. 
So your inheritance is not an external thing. It's an internal thing. And it's you becoming fully you. It's the full expression of your original design as it is in heaven here on earth. And as you walk in the fullness of who you are, who God created you to be, inheritance will flow out of that place, whether it be through creativity or business or marketing or wherever the Father has you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'd love to hear from you. So please find us at The Well Exchange on Instagram and send us a message.